Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Lauren, Diane, and a very special guest today. We welcome Mary Kulhanek. Hi. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. And we figured with today's topic, it would be actually very helpful to have a married person's perspective. And of course, we are all single young adults, so it's nice to have somebody that has had just a little different of an experience. How long have you been married? I've been married uh, five and a half years now. Can't believe it. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Feels like yesterday. Has it gone fast? It has, yeah. That's good to hear. It's yeah. good to hear. We have like 45 more to go. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope I have more than that. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. And so our topic today is, uh, you know, we, we had an episode a few episodes ago about Humanae Vitae, which is the Pope's beautiful document, Pope Paul VI's beautiful document about the nature of human sexuality and the nature of life and how sexuality is so tied to the transmission of life. And we kind of talked about how it's, it's not uh, an encyclical that's well-read, or well understood or well accepted in today's culture. And so we kind of wanted to invite Mary on to kind of tell us, perhaps from a married perspective, of what humanae vitae looks like when it's lived out uh, among a married couple. So, first of all, you know, I just want to kind of circle back to that uh, topic that we were talking about with humanae vitae. And, uh, and I realized that all three of you, correct, have been through a study on humanae vitae? Yes, we have. Yeah, so there was a, a little uh, study of this encyclical at a local parish. It was called Endow uh, for Women, so I was not invited. But, <laughs> you know, what did, what did you get out of that? What were some takeaways? Well, I'll just start by saying um, Noelle Amon put the study together. I think it's something she came across um, and wanted to do. And, you know, the last winter, there wasn't much going on, you know, um, <laughs> still COVID lockdown. So... Um, for me, it was a, well, I learned about Humanae Vitae from the 50-year anniversary conference that Father Andy did, so I felt like I had, like, this background on it, but why not go and learn more and meet these other women? Like Mary, I didn't know Mary until Endow, and yep. she's a wonderful person, and it's been a pleasure to meet her. Um, and then there's also women of, you know, varying ages to, you know, 20s, 30s, right, 40s, 50s, 60s, so... Everyone would shed their light, I guess, on the topic, mm. you know, where they were as a parent, as a grandparent, as a single person, as a young married mother, like Mary, whatever it was. So uh, it was great to get different um, perspectives mm -hmm. um, and I think be surrounded by, you know, good Catholic women, right? It's always good to kind of fortify <laughs> your relationships in yeah. the faith and um, learn from others. So that's kind of what I took from it. In, in that study, was everybody on board with the teachings? Do they all agree? Or were there sometimes that people disagreed or kind of raised objections? I think that people generally were on board, but I will say that because there were a lot of older women in the group, they... Um, we're not necessarily on board in, you know, in the past. So mm. they they related a lot of, shared a lot of personal stories about sort of, you know, regrets and, and things. And um, I think that there were still um, just understanding to kind of worked out, um, which the book really helped to kind of, I mean, I think one of the, the greatest things about the book was that it, it really explained sort of like the con the consequences of contraception and also just 
God's plan for human sexuality and that, you know, it has meaning in itself. We don't determine that meaning and we're not the authors of reality and uh, kind of like over uh, helps people to overcome stereotypes that, you know, that are out there that, you know, like the church looks down on sex and everything. But I mean, it, it really just um, helped to kind of explain that like sex is holy and that um, when men and women give themselves to one another completely, totally, and permanently in marriage, that, like, their love in a way images the communion of love within the Trinity. So um, it, it really, and it, it explained, like, how couples, like, by means of contraception, when they separate the two meanings that God has inscribed in, in their being of man and woman, um, that they manipulate and degrade human sexuality by altering its, like, total self-giving and that uh, contraception is sort of a sin against, um, you know, a sin against human nature and that... Um, not Right, because it's, it's not only a sin against the life-giving aspect, it is a sin against the unitive aspect because to be un- united, you're giving yourself completely, saying, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even withholding my fertility. Exactly. And so uh, because it explained the why of, you know, like you hear contraception... The church doesn't, you know, like, it's not allowed. But I think a lot of people still in that group were helped by the explanation of, okay, why is this an evil? Why is it intrinsically evil? Why can't we, you know, why can't we use hormonal birth control? Um, And so understanding the why, I think, helps people to come to an understanding and an acceptance of what the church teaches and why and the beauty of it. Yeah. So Mary, as, you know, as a married person, you know, Diane talked about how it's it's the image of the trinity have you experienced that in your own you know relationship with your husband um i you know i don't know if i think about that on a day-to-day basis you know you kind of get caught up in in living as a married couple um and living your life together and now i am a new parent relatively new parent um so you get caught up in in life and the practicalities of things. Um, But one of the the great things I think in NFP and and Humanae Vitae is is that openness to life and and it opens the door of communication between you and your spouse. And you have to, you really analyze every month whether or not it's it's a good idea to discern being open to life. Um, And at this point in our marriage, my husband and I decided yes, because I am expecting again. Oh, Um, congratulations, number two. Yeah, number two. two. So, um, and I think there's just beauty in that, in that you're always discerning and always trying to think about what is God's will and what's his plan for you. Um, And it it forces that almost openness to life, Um, but in a good way. I don't want to think people to think force is, is used in a bad way here. Sure, because I can imagine if, if someone is on a, the pill, they're not asking that question every month. I, I, I Actually, yeah, I, I think so. I think it's a habitual, I mean, I know you take it every day, but yeah, you get into the habit of taking it. And there's, I very much doubt that most people who are taking it are having that conversation with their spouse and having that conversation with God um, every month of whether it's time and that's know, an to be open piece. to life again. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so when you were first married, did you ever learn about this in your pre-cana classes? Or so, no, actually, I did not learn about this in my pre-cana class. Really? Um, no, uh, I think it was in retrospect a gross oversight. Um, we uh, learned about it. We kind of found it out, found it on our own, um, and figured it out on our own. Um, what helped you to find it? 
a kind of my own inspiration. <laughs> I wanted to learn it. And I said to my husband, I said, we're going, we're going to go learn this and figure this out. Natural family planning um, piece. Yeah. Yeah. And it took, I mean, it took us a little while to kind of figure out, um, you know, what worked for us and everything. And yeah, it was, we were self-taught for a while and then, um, we had an instructor for a different method. And, uh, so it was, and now we're on a third method <laughs> or pre-pregnancy we were. Um, but yeah, it was, it's just kind of an exploration into in many ways, just like the beauty of, of the human body really. Um, and how it works, yeah. um, which is, has been so fascinating for both me and my husband. Um, yeah, definitely. Natural family planning is, is very beautiful. And we're actually going to cover that in more depth in, in a future episode. Yeah. But you know, when you kind of first made that shift to say, okay, let's, let's explore this was yeah. your husband on board. Or did you have to convince him or drag him? Or? So, uh, well, I, no, it wasn't really, a, thank goodness, not a dragging, but like he definitely had some more hesitation than I did. Um, I think one of the things when we took our first class for the Creighton model, um, which is one of the methods of NFP, uh, he was really amazed at how much science goes into it. And, um, you know, they're not sitting there with a the Bible open, they're standing there with um, like charts and graphs and, um, you know, pictures of, of what things look like at certain times in a woman's cycle and how everything works. And he was like, wow, there's there's really a lot more to this than I, I realized. It's not and the rhythm method. Of no, this, it is you know? not. No, it is not. There's a lot more into it and a lot more that goes into it. Um, and it it's such a respect for, and he even said this um, to me when I told him I wanted to do this episode. He says, um, there's such a respect for the woman's body. And that's one of the things Humani Vitae really, I think, emphasizes is the respect for women that if if, yeah. if contraception becomes widespread, that's going to be lost in yeah. a big way. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, because a lot of times, and even sometimes we've heard it uh, from some in the high, some some people in the hierarchy about oh the church needs to focus less on sex and or for example they say the church is too puritanical about sex. What would you say in response to that? Should we focus less on sex? Well, I think the entire culture is a little obsessed with sex. Well, that's <laughs> to a good be point. Honest. But who is saying that the church is too focused on sex? Have I just missed that message? There is, yeah, there's kind of, there's been certain bishops who have said, you know, we need to focus less on the pelvic issues, the, the oh. use, you know, abortion and contraception and, and other sexual issues, you know, gay marriage. And they said you kind of want to focus more on the social issues of immigration and poverty and things like that. And, and those are wonderful issues to focus on as well. I think if someone's called to them, that's great. But I do think part of the, the problem with um, the way the church sometimes approaches human sexuality and sexual teachings um, is that there's a lot of no's thrown around. Like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, and to Diane's point, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good whys behind um, and, and a lot of logic and a lot of wisdom in what the church teaches. And I don't think that's conveyed necessarily mm. um, and, or, and or not conveyed well. I don't know why the church wouldn't want to teach this and proclaim it because it's so needed, right? Like yeah. Mary said, the whole society is over-sexualized and, you know, we know that pornography is everywhere and now it's so easy to get it and young children are getting it. I heard something that like toddlers were like acting aggressively towards each other from influence from pornography. It's wow. like, what? And uh, who knows? It's like maybe the parents left a phone out or something and, you know, they see it accidentally because you certainly hope <laughs> the parents aren't 
letting their kids see that intentionally. Mm. But um, pornography is extremely violent, right? And um, can be just horrible. I think depictions of women. I don't know. I haven't seen it myself. But this is what you know. What you hear, um, and it's just everywhere. So there's so many bad influences, right? And then there's I think pref- um, pressure from society, right? I've touched on this before, right? Of where it seems like there's a certain expectation that especially men, right, will sleep with women by a certain age. Yes. Yeah. Right? And if mm-hmm. you're off at college and, you know, most of us don't go to a Catholic college with good influences, that pressure is definitely there. And people that you're living with are living that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So how do you stay fortified when you've never been taught yourself the truth and the value, the beauty and the goodness, right, in, in what our sexuality is meant for? Yeah. Diane, you have more on this? Yeah. I mean, I, I like I said before, I mean, I think, you know, sexual love is one of the ways that spouses image God in sort of that communion of love within the Trinity. So um, th- it's often viewed as kind of like a suppression of sexual desire. And like you said, Mary, a series of no's. But um, Pope John Paul II, he emphasized that chastity, um, and especially we have to view chastity as kind of, you know, a positive virtue that frees us to love and like it actually protects love yeah. from being tainted by that se- uh, selfish tendency to use another person for our own pleasure. And um, Pope John Paul II, he said that, you know, chastity, he emphasized chastity isn't a series of no's, but rather a yes in our hearts to the other person that allows us to uphold their dignity and requires certain no's to prevent it from falling into utilitarianism. So our interactions with other people of the opposite sex are like very often dominated kind of by an emotional and sensual attraction. And we're drawn more to their like sexual value initially than, you know, maybe um, their true value as people. So like their virtue, their um, holiness, the fact that they're, that we're sons and daughters of God. And we don't automatically experience that authentic, like selfless. um, That reminds me of something something John Paul II said. He said uh, that it was such a great quote. He said, the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much, but that it shows too little Mm -hmm. because it shows the body and not the person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so like just understanding sort of um, that sex is is holy um, and and chastity, especially too, it moderates those desires for pleasure so that we can more clearly see the value of the person and respond with love that's like centered on, you know, his or her good as opposed to seeking our own enjoyment and pleasure and whatever we can get out of them, objectifying them essentially. So, um, yeah. So I think it's uh, when you understand sort of like the beauty and the holiness of sex and, and chastity, I mean, it just, um, there's such a dignity to human sexuality that you begin to understand and appreciate. And that's why Satan hates it so much. Mm -hmm. You know, because he sees that in sexuality, it is this image of the Trinity. And so he hates the Trinity. So he's going to try to destroy and sully that one way in which we can participate in the life of the Trinity in such a profound way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you think how, how awesome that is to be able to bring forth life. I mean, Mary, what was that like when you saw your child for the first time? That's got to be just mind boggling. Yeah, a little surreal. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, like out of body. Labor. And you had, <laughs> a, you had a difficult labor, correct? Um, no, uh, no, actually, uh, not particularly uh, difficult. Just um, I spent a long time pushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite frank. <laughs> so how many how many hours so everyone can <laughs> can um, feel your pain? Uh, four and a half hours of pushing. So that's that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Most women spend one to two. Wow. So it's been four and a half. Wow. But and that's was, like she's talking the whatever the cervix is open right already. yes it yes i've already contraction yes, already, phase yes that yeah. that phase is already done i didn't yeah. learn about this I in seminary so yeah no i figured <laughs> it's okay <laughs> yeah no so i had already 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dilated. So that's and ouch. So it's yeah. the part ouch, where that's... you see in the movies <laughs> where everyone's it. like, he's getting it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So that. But holy, but I, I'm sure you probably all forgot that, right? When I did. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Do you have a boy or a girl? What's his... I have a boy. Okay. What's his name? Boy. Arthur. Arthur. He's one. Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know the sex of the baby to come? Yeah, I do. It's oh, a girl. It's a girl. I know. I'm really oh, excited. I mean, oh, I awesome. obviously would have been excited either way. Yeah. But the little part of me is like, oh. This is the best gender reveal on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone knows. That's true. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, too, about how, you know, there's a, of course, you ever seen Spider-Man? Which one? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I've never seen any of them, but I just, I just know that. What? Line, that you I'm, probably should. Those I'm are good sorry. movies. I know that's what I've heard. <laughs> Neither have I, Father Joseph. Made okay, fun good. of a lot for that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Let's okay. Let's have a little. Yeah, we like should a movie, uh, movie marathon. Okay. Yeah, we'll how, set how something up with the like, young adult group. There's well, like there's five hundred of them. Or? Yeah, there's different different people who've played Spider Man and Tobey Maguire. Right? He's the only, Tobey he's Maguire. I would recommend that that series. Okay. That one was pretty good. What was the Andrew Gar? Garfield. Oh yeah, that guy. I don't. Yeah. He doesn't then, look like a Spider-Man to me, so I never really was into that one. <laughs> and then Tom Holland is the most recent one, and he's yeah. too hyper and young and loud really, and amb- enjoyed, rambunctious. I enjoyed that version. I'm not into that one. In okay. my defense, I did see Spider-Man on Broadway, okay. which was awesome. By the way, it was really good. Really good. It's my first Broadway show ever. It was. Didn't so know that was on Broadway. It was great. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> totally random aside, but it was, it was actually really controversial because it was such a dangerous show because they were doing all say, these aerial acrobatics and someone died. Didn't someone? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, what I thought. Like one of the, yeah, not while I was there, thankfully. Huh. But I was as I was sitting there, it's funny because the, the music was, was uh, composed by Bono. And oh. as I was sitting there, you know, watching, I was watching with the eighth grade class of St. Mary's in Bethel. You know, we all took a trip down there and someone pointed out, hey, look up in the, the box. And there was Bono oh, right wow. there at the show. And he was like, whoa, it's that guy. Anyway, totally long way of <laughs> yeah. saying. With, in Spider-Man, they say that great line, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yes. you think about the power of sexuality to bring forth a new life. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What else in the world can do something so awesome? Yeah, there is definitely and, responsible responsibility. In and that. chastity is that responsibility of, yeah. of recognizing that, that this, this awesome gift, this awesome power that we have can't be used irresponsibly because it becomes the most destructive force in the universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we see everywhere, right? It is being used irresponsibly today. Um, so now we have tons of children who are born outside of marriages. Um, yeah. In the African-American community, it's over 75%. Right, children born to single mothers. Children born to single moms. Um, yeah. And then there's the other case, right, where maybe there is a committed relationship of some kind, like boyfriend and girlfriend, and then they become pregnant, and then that leads to a marriage. But they're not entering into that marriage potentially for the right reasons, yeah. right? Not in full freedom, I wouldn't think, you yeah. know, if there's an obligation there. Um, and then those marriages might break down down the road. Like we know how high the divorce rate is. Yeah, or there can be <clears throat> specific hurdles even um, to get to a better place um, in those marriages, I think. Yeah. So. One of the things we were talking about before we went on air was we were talking about um, how, how difficult it is to find good spouses in today's society. And we're talking about how at our Faith on Tap that we have monthly, it's kind of humorous because there's, there's a guy's table and a girl's table. And it looks like a middle school dance. Like nobody <laughs> talks to each other. And I was saying, what is wrong with the guys? <laughs> what is wrong? I mean, they are in the miracle? corner even. You know, I met Father Joseph's mother at the last one, which was great. Yeah, she's, she's Shout awesome. out. She's pretty awesome. I'm sure she's listening <laughs> to this. Very friendly. Great to chat with her. But uh, the other side of me was like, why are all those men in the corner talking to each other? 
You know, there were some that I hadn't seen before, which is also kind of rare that there's somebody new that comes around. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, Father Joseph needs to step in as matchmaker. So I think at the next Young Adults event, I'm going to just break it up. She's going to break up those tables. Mm-hmm. Be like, go talk to that girl over there. Yeah, I've also had it happen where I sat at a table with, a, you know, a guy or two that I didn't know, and they didn't want to speak at all. Yes, it's yeah. It's like, hey, I'm Lauren. What's your name? Oh, Mike, whatever. And then they're just quiet. It's okay, like, so, oh my gosh, you can't just chat a little? So here's what you need to do. Just give me your number, and I'm just going to pass it. You have my number. Well, okay, that's true. But if <laughs> 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 we give you your number, I'll pass it to a guy that, <laughs> that you want to call all you. All right, as long as he said Father Joseph... Give me your number. I'll be like, okay. And then yeah. I'll see, I guess, how good your... My your, judgment is? Yeah. <laughs> Set you up on some blind dates. <laughs> yeah. But by the thing, but I think that's that's one offshoot of this over-sexualized culture is that people don't know how to have a normal, healthy relationship to ask one another out on date, especially because if you can get all of your sexual needs, quote unquote, fulfilled in illicit ways like pornography or like, you know, just the hookup culture, mm-hmm. then to have some something that requires a real manhood to step up and say... I'm going to take a risk and go and talk to that girl and invite her out because you could get a no, yeah, you know, and, and it's scary for a guy. Or it might not work out. I mean, we all have to be open to that, uh, but it's tough. I mean, I've mentioned I do the dating apps and most of the time it's pretty clear, like someone's looking for sex, you know, right off the bat. You can pick up on the vibe that they're laying down and it's like, oh, come on, you know, like it's... <laughs> It's not that won't even be worthwhile. That's the other thing. I don't. I, our society is so twisted, um, but it is just you know relationships of utility, mm-hmm. using a person for a means to an end. It's not a real connection. It's not a bond. It, it's you know nothing beyond the physical that I guess is great in the moment, um, but I think it can leave you empty, um, unfulfilled. And then like as we were talking about, with a potentially a real challenge on your hands if you do end up with a pregnancy. That's the intention of it, right? Yeah. Um, or other things, you know, that could happen. Um, and even without a pregnancy, there's the broken hearts. Yeah. Well, I don't marriage. even think people aren't seeking love. So it's it's not even that. It's not like you fell in love and then it's it's well, way you're not before seeking that love with that person. I think everyone is seeking love. I guess, level, but right? there is yeah. there is hope. I would say because um, I mean, Mary and I were talking about all it takes is to meet one person, you know, and yeah. someone who just um, is puts you know loves God first. When you when you meet someone like that, um, you're reminded of kind of your own dignity in how they treat you, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is beautiful when uh, sort of the um, our. I guess, like, desires and, and everything are, are in right order. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there is hope. I promise. That's good to hear. That's yeah. That's good to hear. Now I want to ask Mary a question that's not on our list of questions here. Uh-oh. See how good she the is moment of truth. Thinking, on, thinking on her feet. Okay. So we're talking about chastity, but chastity obviously looks very different for a married couple than it looks like for a single person. It, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So how is chastity practiced when you're married? Yeah. Well, um, you know, the most obvious one is um, not dating or having any sort of relationship (laughs) um, with someone other than your spouse. Um, It's about protecting your heart, um, Mm. you know, from any temptations, Um, you know, because you're someone said to me once, uh, you're married, not dead. Um, So yes, you can, you know, acknowledge that someone else can be attractive or can have great qualities. um, But you know, your job is to love your spouse uh, as best as you can. 
for the rest of your life. Sure. Um, and to build them up and um, to be their partner and all things. Is it, so, a, is, it, is it a temptation or is it even possible to, even as you're married, to see your spouse as just an object or just a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's, that can, that's always a possibility. Um, I think, you know, one of the pros of NFP, I'm here, you know, very pro-NFP pro tonight, um, is that it keeps the line of communication with your spouse open mm. um, and really forces you to have those conversations about bonding and babies and about where your relationship stands and, and where your family stands. And you always are just having that that in your marriage and it's it's great it's it's really beautiful once you and honestly once you get used to it like it almost becomes a second nature like you forget that you're um that you're countercultural. Uh, yeah <laughs> yes exactly yeah <laughs> I, I do i do sometimes you know like the fact that you know we, these conversations are continuously happening um and for us our, our son is so young we just have, we you still, can have in front of him we still yeah. have them in front of him <laughs> so at some point that might have to change or be like mom and dad that's gross <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it's just and i'm sure for that week out of the month you have to show your love for your spouse in a lot of different ways yeah and i will say i will say one good thing i did um learn in pre-cana um was the five love languages um they made us take that quiz to learn your spouse's love language, right? So that you can learn different ways to um, show them attention and, and make them feel loved and, and like they're valued, um, which they are. But sometimes, again, the monotony, life gets yeah, the life gets yeah. in the way. Um, and also, I think, to you know, my husband's love language is actually physical touch, which it's not the same. It's just sex. It's it's literally just physical touch. So sometimes just holding his hand mm. is like enough to make him feel loved and valued or like, you know, snuggling up next to him on the couch when we're watching TV instead of sitting, you know, over in the chair or something like that. Um, so you have to remember that there are a lot of different ways to show love to your spouse. Um, if, yeah, if you're in your fertile window and have discerned abstaining. Right. Um, so, so with all of this, and, and this is this would be our, our last kind of topic is with all of this beauty about the church's teaching about sexuality and chastity, how can we get this message out there? Because it does seem like, what are people hearing, and where where are they hearing it from? Most people get their information about sex from Instagram. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think there's just a lot of uh, misinformation. Um, you know, even. Even when you talk to medical professionals about it, you know, you say NFP and they're like, the rhythm method? And you're like, no, not the rhythm <laughs> method. Um, and so I think just talking about it even in in small ways um, and even just demonstrating an openness to life, I think even in your conversations with people. Hmm. Um, I, You know, when I, tol when I tell people, um, you know, I have a boy and then I'm expecting a girl, they're like, oh, good, you're done. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> You're done. That's. Ugh. I may want more than two children. I, I, yeah. I may want more. I may have many more. I may have no more. I, you know, that's who knows. That's yeah. it's the book is not closed. That's true. We need to be open for whatever the plan is. Yeah. For us. Absolutely. You never know when you have that generous heart. We were talking beforehand about a lovely family that we know who has eleven kids. And the, the generosity that they have with God of yes. welcoming new life into their home. So 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. And thank you, especially Mary Kulhanek, for joining us. Thank and you for being for a special me. guest. She'll be joining us on another future episode, so definitely tune in. You can tune in to Veritas Catholic Radio, which is 1350 AM. Also, wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.